Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. So we're talking about traps. And in 2 Corinthians 2.11 is one of the main verses that we're looking at. And it says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Okay? Satan, if he comes straight at us, we, be, we win every time. So he uses these little tricks and schemes, and we're talking about traps. And you say, what does a fishing pole have to do with traps? Well, a fishing pole, fishing really is a trap. Okay? Because here's what it is, is, is we, we bait the hook. What do we put on there? We put on food. We put on something that looks good, like to, to a fish, like a worm. Okay? I, who's... Just, just out of just curiosity, raise your hand if you've ever eaten a worm. Raise your hand. Oh, Becca, you did not raise, I said raise your hand if you've ever eaten a worm. Yes, thank you. Okay. I'm like, I know she has. Who else? There's a few of you have, but most of us, we don't eat worms. But that's what fish like. So we open up our tackle boxes if we're going to go fishing, and, and this actually is my tackle box in case you're wondering. I think I bought it when I was like six. Still have it. So here we go. And, and we go in here and we find something that we're going to want to get on there. And this, this is one that I always wanted to put on because I think it looks good. And my dad was always like, that's not going to catch anything, put it back. And honestly, I've never caught anything on it, which is why it looks so good. There's no bite marks on it or anything at all. But I always wanted to fish with it. I'm like, it just looks good. He's like, no, don't, don't do it. And then this one, um, again... I'm not the big catcher, okay? I fish. I don't catch, but I would, I, would, I would do lots of fishing. This one doesn't have hooks on it, but I liked this one because it's heavy, and I could cast it really far. So I'd get this one, and it would always get stuck in things, which is why it doesn't have any hooks on it, and it is. It's just really, really heavy. But what you would do, the, the goal of fishing is to put something on the end that the fish are going to like and to cover up the hook that's going to get them when they bite it. It's something that looks good, but in the end is not. And then you catch them. That's fishing. It's, it, it's a trap. You said it. You do everything you can. You know, you, you go ahead and you, you put it out there a ways. I'm trying not to knock anybody out. This weight is literally big enough. It probably would. And then you're going to bring it back, and you might even jig it back just a little bit because you want it to like, look like a real fish. You're doing everything you can to make it look real, to make it look like something that it's not. That's a trap. We're setting traps for these fish. Well, the devil does the same thing. He sets traps. And I want to talk this morning about one of them. And when I say this, you're going to say, this, that's not a trap. I don't know it's not, but it is. And it's because he tries to make it look good. I think the more deadly the, the trap is, the more effort you have to put into making it look good. You've got to get him to fall for it. You've got to get him to fall so, the devil's tackle box, so to speak, but one of the things that he uses against us is this, is he uses music. Who here likes music? Raise your hand. All right, some of you do. Hands back down. Raise your hand if you like country music. Eh, okay, it, it, it fell down. It was already broken. Okay. Okay, there's a few that like country. Who likes um, like uh, jazz music? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah. Wow. All right. Like hip-hop. Anybody? Okay. Dance music. Who likes dance music? Yeah. Like electric music? Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. 
Not me, not at all, not at all. Music, whatever kind of music you like. Music, I think most of us would say music is powerful. Maybe we've been in, a, in an elevator. Maybe we, uh, no, you've probably never heard any good music in an elevator. I take that back. I really, really do. But maybe a restaurant, a store, or in the car, and you're in there, and suddenly the, you hear a song, and the minute you hear it, it takes you back to maybe a season of life, something you went through, a struggle that you had, because music is so powerful. There's one song I know that, one, one song in particular that does that for me is um, When the Stars Go Blue, or some, Sky Goes Blue, something like that. It's a Tim McGraw, it's kind of a country song. And when my girls were little, all they wanted to do was dance to that song. And we've got a coffee table that's about this high, and I'd pick up the girls, and I'd put them on the coffee table, and they'd stand there, and I'd stand here, and we would dance. And then the song would end, and they'd go, play it again, Dad. And I'm like, okay, I'd do it again. And we would dance, and they're like, and spin, and we would dance. And my shins would get beat up on the table, but I'm like, it's okay, I'm dancing. I loved it. And every time I hear that song, I'm right back in my living room, and Molly's like this big again, and she's spinning around in this little green and gold dress. Avery's wearing, like I can, all of it I can see. And I think most of us have different songs and moments and things like that. And when I say mu music is powerful, I think a lot of us remember and we think of things like that. But music is more than just that. Music, it's powerful. Yes, it can take us, it can help us to remember things. Smells even, I mean, we can just go right back to a place, but it's even more than that. Music is spiritual. Music is spiritual. So I'm like, I don't know about that. Well, that's okay. That's why I'm here. We're going to figure this out. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 16, 23. Now, 1 Samuel 16, 23 says this, and whenever the evil spirit from God tormented Saul, David would play the harp. Now, I want to get to the music side of this. But I can't read this verse without first talking about this evil spirit a second. It's kind of like the project you have at home, where you're like, all I want to do is get rid of this little half wall. But when you knock out the half wall, you got to fix the floor. And the floor is tile, and they don't make that tile anymore. So you're like, well, what am I supposed to do here? You're like, well, I don't know. And if I'm going to redo the floor, I really wouldn't put tile in it again. I'd put wood in it again. But then there's wood in the other room that wouldn't match the wood in here, so we should probably redo it. It's just like cascades, and it just keeps going and going and going. You're like, oh my goodness, let's build a whole new house. Well, although that can be kind of true, we need to get a little further in the scripture, but I don't want to skip past this. We really do have to address this, and it says the evil spirit from God. Now, when I read that, that like doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't say, well, because I know things like what it says in the Bible, and I know what it says in James 1.17. It says, whatever is good and perfect comes down from God. I know what John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. But this verse says that an evil spirit from God, or a tormenting spirit from God, I'm like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. Well, the first rule of hermeneutics when you're studying the Bible or understanding the Bible is you interpret Scripture with Scripture. And we believe, and I believe, that the Bible, written in its original language, is without error. So when I look at other Scriptures and, and things that I'm seeing don't make sense, 
then we need to go back to that original language it was written in. We can go to Greek. We can go to Hebrew. And we say, okay, what was this? So this is Old Testament. It was written in Hebrew. And we go in there, and I love this. But we've got so many resources that we can use, and one that's absolutely great, maybe you are to use this, is Bible Hub. So it's BibleHub.com. And I can go to an actual verse, and then I can just hit, oh, this is Old Testament. I want to see it in Hebrew. And I hit that, and it breaks down every word and what Hebrew word it was translated from. And guess what? When we come and we're going through this verse, when we come to the word from, evil spirit from, there's nothing. Because that word was actually added. It was added in the translation, and it actually doesn't fit in that. And I say, okay, that helps. And then... I don't like to just look at one little place. I usually like two or three or four different things. So now I say, number one, it doesn't fit with the rest of Scripture. Number two, it's not, that word from is not in the original language. And number three, I'm going to go down and find out what somebody else has to say on the matter. And maybe you have one of these Bibles that has this or the commentary. But I went down, I read Matthew, Henry's commentary on this. And this is what he says about it. He says, Saul is made a terror to himself. The Spirit of the Lord departed from him. If God and his grace do not rule us, sin and Satan have possession of us. This is really what is here is divine permission. And God will allow you and I to have or do whatever we want. He'll allow you to run and try to dive through that glass window. Maybe you make it, maybe you don't. So this isn't, we're talking about music, but we have to address this in this scripture. It's not something I can just skip over and be like, oh, don't worry about that. But we look at this and we see, okay, this evil spirit came because Saul disobeyed God. God withdrew his spirit from Saul. And where God isn't, the devil wants to come in to fill that void, and he's being tormented by an evil spirit. So 1 Samuel 16, 23, back to the music. And it says this then Saul would feel better. Why? Because David would play his harp, and Saul would feel better. The tormenting spirit would go away. Okay, we're going back to music here. I know we got a little bit of a rabbit trail there. Saul was being tormented by an evil spirit, and how did they get it to go away? David came and played a harp. Music is spiritual. And it says that the evil spirit would go away. Music created an environment where an evil spirit wasn't welcome, where an evil spirit left. That's how powerful music is. Now, what it doesn't say here is that he sang a song in the words that he sang. Music is powerful. It says he played a harp. There is the spirit realm. There's the natural realm, which you and I can see, but there's the spirit realm. And there are angels that are in this room right now, but I do not see them. And I cannot quantify exactly how this works, but we see it in Scripture that music affects the spirit realm. And it can create an atmosphere, we see right here, where an evil spirit has to leave. And then in 2 Kings, we read, and at that time, the nation of Israel had broken up into tribes, and many of the tribes are being governed, or they had their own kings. And they came together, and they're about to go to a war, and Jehoshaphat, one of the kings, says, wait a second, before we go into war, we need, to, we need to ask God about this. 
Send for a prophet. Let's get a prophet. Elijah's in the area, and let's have him tell us what God says we should do. So Elijah comes, and he says this in verse 15, 2 Kings 3.15. But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Elijah wanted to hear from God, so he said, I need, I need music. Bring me a musician. I want to hear from God. You want to know why we do worship at the beginning of a service right when we all come in here? Because we want to set an atmosphere here. We want to set an atmosphere for us to hear from God. We want to set an atmosphere where evil spirits are not welcome. Music is powerful. It's extremely powerful. And again, he said a musician. This isn't someone singing. Music is incredibly powerful. It creates atmospheres. And here we saw, we saw the example of it creates an atmosphere where an evil spirit has to leave. And we saw it where it creates an atmosphere where we hear from God. If it can do that, it can do the reverse as well, which means we can create an atmosphere. Well, evil spirits are welcome. I, I was a youth pastor for many, many years. And, and Becca did Young Life, actually, in Zealand for a long time. And we were talking about music uh, with, with youth years ago. And she said that after we talked about it, she said, you know what? She said, I had several different girls that she had worked with that came and talked to her about the, the thoughts that they were battling to hurt themselves. She said, they were all listening. They came at different times, but they were all listening to the same music, actually from the same band when they were struggling the, the worst with these thoughts. Music is spiritual. I think we recognize when there's bad, like you just, wherever, maybe you're somewhere, you're walking in a store, it's on a radio or something, and you hear what they say, and you're like, this is awful. But let me just say this. Music is a trap that the devil wants to use because whether the words are there or not, what we see here is it is spiritual. And it, it changes things around us. I was talking with somebody, I think it was last week, about a situation where somebody was, is um, battling thoughts, depression, and it feels like it's a demonic thing that they're battling, but they're not really recognizing it. And I'm like, I can tell you exactly what I would do if somebody in our house, if like Becca was battling something like that, but wasn't recognizing it or knowing yet, I'm like, I can tell you exactly what i do. I would play some worship music 24 hours a day. I would create an atmosphere where an evil spirit is not welcome because music is powerful. Now, here's what I am not saying. I am not saying that everything, that every song that's not a Christian song is bad. I, I am not saying that. And I'm also not saying that every song that says it's Christian is good. I am definitely not saying that. We had a band that came and played for our, our summer camp, our youth summer camp, and did worship with us. It was great. I think it was like three months later, this band, I'm watching an interview, and they're on TV, and one of their songs had just, uh, I guess, made it really big. It was, a, it was on a soundtrack and, and whatnot, and the lead singer of this band, who a couple months ago was at my youth group, summer camp singing and praising and worshiping God, gets up there, and he says, and, and the, in an interview, 
gets asked, well, aren't you guys Christians? And in the interview goes, and we're not a blankety blank, blank, blank Christians. Just because somebody's under a Christian label does not mean that they are Christians. And I know of Christians who have been offered Christian labels for their music, and they're like, I don't want to be on a Christian label. We want our music to be a tool that gets missioned. So they purposely do not do that. I was talking with somebody about this, and afterwards I'd shared this, uh, a similar message, and they came up and they said, I work for a record label. I work with, with a record label, and we will tell, it's not uncommon for somebody to be told, you will, for a record label to tell a band or a musician or a singer to say, you'll never make it big on the secular label, but if you were to go Christian, and your stuff is kind of both ways, you would do really well. So this is what I'm saying. Nobody's out there doing the work for you where you're like, oh, okay, it's on a Christian label, it's okay. Or, oh, it's not, so I'm not going to listen to it. And words alone, none of this has words. None of that had words. He said, send me a musician, and the musician would play. But what I am saying is we need to be careful and we need to be sensitive to what we're listening to to what we're allowing in our homes, in our cars, on our phones, and just to be saturated in where we are working, what we are doing, as much as we have control, I'm going to pick what I'm going to listen to. I'm going to pick that because music is spiritual. It has power. And I shared this this morning. We have a mini service for the team uh, before you guys get here at 9. So the team that, that are serving with the kids and out there doing that, well, they come at 9 so that they can get a chance to hear the message as well. And afterwards, one of them came up to me, and he's like, I, didn't, I never recognized how powerful it was. He says, until about a year and a half ago, when I started incorporating, he said, in my, in my commute. He goes, I've got a long commute. He says, so on my trip, he says, I worship for one hour. He says, just the music that I listen to, he goes, I listen to just worship music, and I, I worship as I drive, and he goes, for one hour, he says, every workday, that, that's what I do. And he said, the growth that I've had spiritually since then, he says, it's just been amazing. He says, I never knew the power that that could have. He's like, I, I did not know. He says, it's so good. He goes, I'm so glad you're talking about this. It's so, so good. So here's the thing. When it comes to music, how, how do you know then? Like, what do you decide to, to listen to and what do you decide not to listen to? Well, this is what I would, you, if you are a believer and you're even asking, like, I want to know, then you pray. You say, God, open up my eyes to see and to be sensitive to the music that I'm listening to and the effect that it's having on me and my family. And if you're listening to something and you're like, you know what? We're not going to listen to this anymore. Give it a thumbs down. Get it off of your pad. Just say, you know what? We're, just, we're deleting it. We're getting rid of it. And maybe you just pray and you ask and you say, you know what? Is it, is it the whole song? Is it this song? Or is it the album? Is it the artist? If it is, they're all gone. That's what I'm doing. But be sensitive to it and ask. The Bible says, you do not have because you do not ask. And just ask. Say, God, what, what is this? God, open my eyes to see the impact that it's having. Because I want to create an environment where I am sensitive to you, where I'm sensitive to your leading me. I mean, how many of us want God to direct our past and to show us and give us, and we have questions we would like answered. I, I'll raise everything I've got. 
Elijah wanted to hear from God. And he said, send me a musician. A part of, oh, excuse me, I don't know where that came from. Part of my devotions that I do is I put on worship music. Um, for me, I'm, I'm really boring. I typically just lock into one song that I like, and I'll listen to it for like five hours straight. <laughs> I just do. I'm like, I like it. This is really good. And, and I'll just, I just hit play, and it just, that's what I listen back to. Rachel's nodding her head. She's like, yeah, we wear songs out. He wears songs out. Um, that's, that's what I do. When I go in my office, I'll turn it up, or I'll put headphones on, or, and, and I, just, I just listen to it. And I'm like, God, I want to be sensitive to you. I want to hear. Sometimes they have words. Sometimes they don't. Oh, my God, I want to be sensitive to, to you, and I want to be hearing you, and we want to create that atmosphere. But it is a trap of the devil that he uses, and I believe he has baited that hook very, very well. That music is just music. There's something, music is powerful, and also music is spiritual. All right, then we're going to keep going, and we go to the next one. And the next trap, I believe the devil that we're going to talk about today, that the devil uses, is this one. Is getting us to say, I'll always struggle with this. It's getting us to say, I'll always struggle with this. Getting comfortable with, with sin or getting comfortable with a crutch that we're carrying through. Getting comfortable carrying baggage that we were never meant to carry. It says this in Luke 4.18. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus read this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He is saying this because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. If you are oppressed, he came to set you free. Jesus came so that we could be set free. John 10.10, 10, excuse me, John 8.36 says this. So if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Now when I say this, some of you are like, well, it didn't work then why am I dealing with this? And I think there's a couple answers to that. See, we have, we have a couple of dogs. Um, we have two dogs, actually. I think I have a picture of them. We've got a big dog, and then we've got this little tiny black thing, and it's a dog, too. And yes, the little one actually sits on the big one, and they'll be in the driveway, and people will drive by, and they'll slow down because the little one is sitting on the big one. And and they stare, and they pull, and they go, Do you, did you know that they? And I'm like, yeah, we do. Or they'll be on the sidewalk, same thing. When the big one's hair gets a little bit longer, like in, in winter when we let it get long, the big one will stand up, and the little one will still be on the big one, like, what's going on? And it's, it's really funny. And they run around, and, uh, but what we have to make sure they don't run away is we have an invisible fence. So it's a little wire that kind of goes around the edge of the property, and they've got a little collar on. And if they get too close to the, the, the wire, the collar beeps at them. And if they still get closer, they get zapped. And I've tested it. I've put it on each of my kids. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I have put it on and been like, how bad is it? And it, it gets you. Like, it, it gets you pretty good. And the other day, Jana was like, I want to try the collar. And we've got the, you know, collar for that little dog. And it's actually a cat collar. I'm like, really? Does that work on cats? I have no idea. I was like, okay, Jono. So Jono takes it, and he puts it in his hand, and he starts walking up. And the line is about at the edge of the stage. It's where the edge of the stage is. And he's walking, and he takes another step, and he's walking. And he's like, 
it's not doing anything. I go, lower your hand, bud. So he starts doing this, and it beeps, and he goes, it didn't. Ah! He's like, it got me. I'm like, yeah, get back in the house. No. And then he's like, Hunter, you do it. You do it. And Hunter's like, I'm not doing it. And then he's like, I did it. And one of those awesome little battles that as a dad I absolutely love to see. But we've got, we've got that, and it works for the dogs. Now, the big dog, if his battery goes dead, or if there's a, a break in the line or somebody unplugs it in the garage, that big dog, it takes him about 24 hours, and he's realized that the fence is down, and he's gone. Now, the little one is a little different. The little one, we don't put the collar on all that much. That little one doesn't know what's going on. And it will go, and in the driveway, when I, when I installed the wire, I cut into the asphalt that is our driveway, and then I sealed it back up with like this, uh, it's like a black uh, caulk that kind of goes across the top. So it's a line that you can see. And that little dog, like I'll come back from running, and that little dog will run up to the line and just, <laughs> just do the little like, he's coming. Oh, he's coming. He just, she does that little dance, but she won't cross the line. And I'll be like getting mail. I'll be just five, six feet past it. And that dog's right there. And just like, come here, please come here. You know, just wanting me to come. And the funny thing is, is it's not wearing a collar. It's not beeping. There's nothing going on. And that dog can step across that line or anywhere else and nothing would happen. But that dog does not know it. That dog is staying in an invisible fence that's, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even affect it. There's nothing. And it's staying there. And let me just say this. Some of you are in an invisible fence. And you have been set free because God's word says you are free. And you are just staying. You're carrying things you were never meant to carry. That God's like, put it down. You don't need to go through life angry like this. You don't need to do this anymore. And everything you need to step beyond that boundary, to step over that boundary, has already been done. And you are free. Yeah. But we don't think so. And so we are staying where we were never meant to stay. We're living so below the means that God provided for us when Jesus, sent his, when Jesus died. He paid for it, but we're like, no, I'm not. We have to let it go. Some of that is it's, it's unforgiveness, and it's on us to let go. You can carry it around, or you can say, God, I'm going to choose to forgive. We can do that. Some of that, you're like, no, it, this, it's just always been in my family, and it's going to be with me too, and we're carrying it with our words. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and so we keep saying, well, I, my dad dealt with it. I'll deal with it. My mom dealt with it. I'll deal with it. Grandpa dealt with it. This is just something that we all do. This is just something that we are. And we are carrying things with us that we are, we are not meant to. We act like we don't want them, but the truth is, is we are dragging them around with us with our words. And we need to change the way we're thinking because we are set free. And then there's others that you're in here and you're like, I've crossed that line. I've run away from it. But I keep going back. I don't know why, but it just keeps pulling me back. Understand this. John 8.32. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You are free. Let me just say this. 1 Corinthians 10.13. The temptations 
in your life are no different from any other's experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted to be, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You do not have to go through life constantly afraid, constantly fearing that the worst is going to happen to every single person around you, constantly seeing the worst. Oh, it's going to be so bad. It's this. No, we do not have to live that way. Philippians says this in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things. We can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. You can get to the other side of this. I know that you can. But Proverbs 5.22, we're talking about traps. I think this fishing pole is so good for this. Proverbs 5.22 says this, the evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sin hold them fast. I think some of us it's kind of like that fish where we bought, we, we bit that hook. And we feel like we can get so far away, but then all of a sudden, we just get yanked back. Didn't put a hole in the ceiling. We're good. I think I'm going to put it down before I do. <laughs> but in all honesty, there is. There are some sins that we think, I've tried to get away from this. You say I'm free. I have tried so many times. I've changed the way I'm talking. I'm choosing to forgive. I'm walking up. I'm doing this, but it just keeps pulling me back. I find myself doing what I do not want to do. Paul talked about this. He says, the things I do not want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I do not do. Oh, what a wretched man I am. But there's a secret weapon that God gives us when we find ourselves in bondage to something that we say, I want to get to the other side of it. I want to get out of it. I don't know what it is. Is it lying? Is it spending? Is it a porn? Is it an addiction? Is it a substance that we cannot get free from? And this is what it says in Isaiah 58, 6. This is a weapon that God gives us to break free. It says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? Talking about fasting. Never done that before. A typical fast, a general fast is 24 hours where you choose not to eat, and instead you seek God in those times, and you say, I'm going to deny my body what it wants, because what my spirit wants is more important. And God, I want to to grow closer to you. He's talking about fasting. He says, is this not the kind of fast I have chosen to loosen the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke or break every chain? If there's something that you're like, I have not been able to get rid of, and I just, I I don't know how, but I just find myself getting pulled back. This is what we do. And we say, okay, because he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Then this is what we do, and the secret weapon that we use, because we're going to live free. He says, those that he has set free are free indeed. Then walk in that freedom and fast. And what that that is, is you'd say, I'm I'm going to not eat. And you set a time, maybe 6 a.m. to 6 a.m. the next day, or 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. the next day. And you said, now not eating is a bad diet. That's not what I'm talking about. But instead, you say, instead, during those times, I'm going to deny my body. God, I'm going to seek after you. I'm going to put on some worship music. I'm going to create an atmosphere for me to hear from you. I'm going to open up my word, your word, and I'm going I'm to read it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek after you. I'm going to ask for your guidance and getting rid of this, I'm going to seek what you have for me. 
And then go back, go do your, your, your regular, your every day, what you've got to do. And then lunch comes and you say, okay, here I go again. Instead of taking that lunch meet, instead of going and sitting down and having that or, or sitting at the table and taking a break, I'm going to retrieve and I'm going to go sit in my car. I'm going to go to my office. I'm going to go back in my bedroom. I'm going to go to my prayer closet. I'm going to go sit at my desk, whatever it is. And God, I'm going to seek after you again. And it is supernatural what it does, how it breaks And that's the tool that was given us to break free from things that we just say, I have not been able to get rid of and to let go of and allow God to that. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.